This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. We were talking about Memorial Day and Pride in America and the contract that brings us together. Tell your Muslim friends, tell universities, politicians, media to begin to ask American Muslims about not only what they feel about Memorial Day, but when and how American Muslims are going to stand behind the ideas that represent Americanism, and when will they stand against the insurgent ideas of political Islam, Islamism, and the organizations that I believe are acting like foreign agents and should be registered under the Foreign Agency Registration Act, like groups like the Council on American-Islamic Relations, better, I think, described as the Council for American-Islamist radicalization. On this program, we're going to continue to push hard to breach not only the divides between Americanism and Islamism, but to hold American Muslims accountable and to hold our policymakers accountable. Uh, I'm embarrassed. I I have to tell you, I am just embarrassed. In a follow-up story from last week, I, I talked glowingly about the Senate's new law, the Justice Against Sponsors of Terrorism Act, that passed unanimously and and was an act that we thought, I thought, would begin to hold Saudi Arabia accountable, the central cancer cell, the central tumor of global Wahhabism, Islamism, and ideology that's perpetrated in the name of Islam that spawns and is the forefathers of groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and finally have an avenue that families that have been attacked like those who died on 9-11, could finally have a time in court. And we had a lot of excuses, and and you and I spoke about that last episode, about why there should be no reason to deny the families of the victims of 9-11 their time in court. Well, it turns out, as Daniel Pipes and many have talked about this week, that this law passed by a voice vote because of its unanimity, may have sadly been a cruel hoax. A cruel, a cruel hoax. Why? Because remember, uh, as I mentioned a couple episodes ago, I served on the U.S. I served on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom until May 14th this year, and every year we pass, um, we would pass a a recommendation to the State Department that the that the Saudi government be listed not only as the worst perpetrator of religious freedom on the planet, but that its CPC, country of particular concern designation, be followed with sanctions, be followed with the sanctions that are part of American law that will not be relieved until 
they begin to actually move the needle towards religious freedom and and stop the egregious um, and systemic abuses of religious freedom in their country. And the State Department even agrees with us and labels them as CPC, but yet the White House and our security arm of our government then gives them a waiver so that the sanctions are not implied out of quote-unquote national security. Well, it appears that again the Saudi lobby has gotten what they wanted. And remember I told you that one of the biggest obstacles to this was this huge infection in Washington by the Saudi lobby. The Saudi lobby that has tentacles into both parties, be it on the right, as we saw the Washington Post lay out how deep they went with Haley Barber and others, all the way to the left with Hillary and uh, every other power broker in the Democratic Party. And sure enough, at the last minute, as Paul Sperry breaks in the New York Post, he said, the sanction, the section that was slipped in at the last minute said, quote, stay of actions pending state negotiations, unquote. It leaves it up to the Secretary of State to merely certify that the United States is engaged in good faith discussions with a foreign state defendant concerning the resolution of claims against the foreign state. So the Attorney General, as Daniel Pipes notes, can in turn petition the court for an extension of the stay for additional 180-day periods, effectively delaying lawsuits against the Saudis indefinitely. And Daniel goes on to say, add to this that the House is unlikely to take up the bill. Obama is opposed to it, and the Saudi government has mobilized against it, and the vote appears to be a cruel hoax, as Sperry lays out. You know, not only is this just eternally frustrating, but when can we believe anything that comes from Washington? And will this go to the House? We need to push it, and the House needs to amend it and ask the Senate to take off that poison pill that gives the Saudis life. The Saudis don't care what language necessarily is there as long as the actual effectuation of those uh, adjudications in court can never happen in our block. That's all they care about. They'll do the window dressing of reform and other things as long as they know that we're never going to hold them accountable internally. Same thing with this legislation. As long as there's no mechanism for real accountability, they don't care. So the bottom line is, is that our government continues to be complicit in the governance of Saudi Wahhabism, of the inability of American citizens to receive their day in court, and the entire catharsis that we felt two or three weeks ago that may have come to fruition, that we thought was being blocked because of 28 pages that might have been released in the 9-11 report that have yet to be released. Whatever it is, the bottom line, the Saudis seem to have gotten what they wanted. And until the Senate removes that poison pill. Chuck Schumer, by the way, who added that, Senator Schumer added that poison pill as supposedly the author. Seems like Schumer's learning propaganda from the best dictators in the Middle East. They say one thing, put forth a, you know, like uh, Bashar Assad, who talks about democracy and uh, governance and then and then says he's fighting terrorism in the meantime, in the meanwhile is doing something heinously different in the background. 
Chuck Schumer, I'm sorry. You can't, on the one hand, say you're going to lead a legislation against the Saudis and then put in a poison pill that actually nullifies the entire intention of that bill. It's a sad day that we see things that go through Congress and then think that finally they're doing something good in the beltway, only to realize that it's a sham. Let's get to the meat of what I wanted to talk about today, and I think it's important in this time together that you and I begin to share some of the language. There are terms thrown about and identifying labels and ideas, and I think too few Americans really understand what they mean to Muslims, to Americans, to our policymakers, to universities, and there's so much difference in the verbiage, and yet sometimes because of that difference, people say, well, let's just forget it. Let's not call it Islam. It offends too many people. Let's not call it jihad. It offends. Let's not use Sharia as an example or have anti-Sharia legislation. All these different front lines of the debate cause confusion to the point that the minimalists win because then we can't really drill down on what needs to be reformed. So let's first start with the central, most important concept, which is I hope as you join me week to week, you begin to understand that our policy needs to change from CVE, countering violent extremism, to countering violent Islamism. Islamism, political Islam, and the concept and the idea and the fervor of the Islamic State is what we need to fight. It is our enemy. And contrary to what you may hear coming out of the Brookings Institute or others, Brookings has now had a, a front-page uh, approach to debating whether Islamism is bad or good and having many people... Um, uh, and having many people basically endorse the belief that, well, maybe Islamic democracy and Islamic political parties are no different than Christian political parties in Germany or elsewhere. Uh, it's very different. These are theocrats. No matter which way you dress them, no matter which way you give them fuel and energy, be it through the ballot box or wherever else, Islamism is Islamism. What is that? The Islamic State concept is an idea, an identity movement that believes that the identity of the state is a religious, faith-based identity, not only under God, but under Islamic law, under God's law as Muslims see it, identified, defined, and enforced and interpreted by clerics in its Sharia. So Islamic state is the Sharia state. It is a state in which people believe that that allegiance, that jihad for the state is wedded to their citizenship, it's wedded to their identity as members loyal to that state. Their faith loyalty then is completely enmeshed with their state loyalty. And that doesn't leave room for other faiths. It doesn't leave room. Yes, other faiths have rights according to their Islamic state, but those rights are not at the behest of God, but at the behest of Islam and the Islamic state at the behest of Sharia law. So their rights are under Islam, not under God. That is what the Islamic State is. That is what Islamic movements are. Islamism is the belief, if whether they're in power or not, to have parties, like we have the Republican and the Democratic Party. They believe, the Islamists believe, that their political movements are united under Islamic movements as an identity movement that believes in every way possible to push forth Sharia, 
and Islamic law in every opportunity possible, be it for women's rights, be it about the hijab, be it about crime uh, of stealing, be it about uh, uh, against gay rights and other aspects, they use their Islamic party platform as that mechanism in which to push forth their ideas, be it domestic or foreign policy. That's what Islamism is. In Arabic, they call themselves Islamiyin. Jamaat Islamiyyah is the, is the party uh, or the group of the Islamists. Uh, the Ikhwan uh, al-Muslimin is the Brotherhood of Muslims or Muslim Brotherhood of Egypt. Uh, Harikat al-Islamiyyah in Arabic is the movements of Islamism. So for those who say don't call them Islamic, don't call them Islamists, that is what they call themselves in the Middle East. They try to tell you not to call them that here because they want you to continue to harbor under the illusion that Islamists are basically Western Democrats and Western uh, Republicans who believe in our type of secular system that is under God but not under one specific faith community. That is the debate. So if you understand Islamism, you understand Islamic party movements with platforms based in Islamic law and platforms based in the effectuation of a legal system based in their interpretation of Sharia. When we come back, we'll get into Sharia and Jihad and these concepts of the caliphate and how then various forms of Islamists and their movements use these concepts to push forth, whether it be in the West or in the Middle East, their ideas. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com.